0: Hallelujah. Keep you, stay standing. Hallelujah. Just close your eyes. Just begin to pray in the Holy Spirit for a minute. Exercise that heavenly gift. Come on, come on. Come on. Che karaba shandra ba si karaba sandra ba che kirimuraba shan sho rabaka sandra ba che karaba sandra ba ka andre hey de 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 hallelujah Hallelujah. Hey, y'all did an outstanding job for a Presbyterian church. I mean, for a Presbyterian church, that was outstanding. But are we a Pentecostal church? Are we filled with the Holy Ghost? Is there power in the Holy Spirit? Then pray like there's power in that. Pray like it. Hallelujah. Amen. There's power. There's power. There's power. There's power. Amen. We're looking, we're not looking for church. We're looking for encounters with god amen Amen. i want an experience with the lord this morning amen i've always found that the holy spirit will do one of two things if you're quiet he'll make you loud and if you're loud he'll make you quiet amen that's why i love when brother jerry yells because brother jerry's quiet but when he yells he's loud amen it's kind of like a holy spirit thermometer in the room amen you can be seated so good to be in the house of the lord this morning and I always consider it a privilege and an honor to get to speak. I want to thank my parents that uh, they've allowed me the opportunity to they give me their pulpit. Amen? And uh, they are good to me. I want to thank my beautiful wife, Michelle. I want to have my family stand up. I want all my family to stand up. Amen? Michelle, Luke, Emily, and Jack. Amen? You see them all over the place. They serve. You may be seated. Amen? They. They serve, they do PowerPoint, they play drums, they work in children's department, they've been raised in the household of faith, and uh, two of them are at college at Oral Roberts University in Tulsa, so it's good to have them home for the summer, amen? amen. Fun to have at home. Well, I want to talk about something this morning for a few minutes, and um, it's a, I, I think it's an important thing. It's kind of a, you might think a simple thing, but um, have you ever been to a funeral, Amen. Before I do that, let's welcome our online guest this morning. Hey, hello everybody online. God bless you. Give them a big hand. We're glad that you're here at West Houston Christian Center. I'm Pastor Jack C., Executive Pastor, and we're so glad you've joined us this morning. Get your Bible, get your notebook. We're going to have a great time in the Word this morning. Pray with us, shout with us, and if there's something that you liked in the sermon, then email us. There'll be some links right there to connect you to us, but we just want to say we are honored that you're with us today. Amen. Amen. But let me go back that's a somber note anybody been to a funeral yeah. amen well as a pastor there's two kinds of funerals there's the good funeral where you know that you know that you know where that person in that box really is amen they've lived a life man for god They were born again they were serving they were saved it was just wonderful, man. They're just, you just know the minute they hit heaven, there was 10,000 people waiting to meet them there. Amen. Then there's the other kind of funeral where you have this conversation. Do you, do you think they were really saved? Those are scary. Those are the scariest, scariest, scariest conversations to have, to have somebody go ahead and cross over to the other side but have to have a little mini strategy meeting to try and figure out, do you think they were saved? What what is the criteria? I asked a friend of mine at baseball the other day. I said, what's the bare minimum to be saved? What's just the bare minimum? Anybody ever ask that, wonder what that question is? What's the bare minimum to get into heaven? Now, let me ask you this. If you're asking that question, you've already backslid too far. Amen, if you're looking for the edge, you've already found it. Amen, just thinking like that. But people do think like that. God, what is the biblical minimum for getting into heaven? And did that person in that box meet a minimum requirement so that they could spend eternity with Jesus? And so I always take it back to one thing, fruit fruit how many of us know what the great commission is go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature and he who believes and is baptized shall be saved but he who doesn't shall be what not amen how many of us know that's not the original great commission what is the original great commission i'm so glad you asked you got your bibles Go to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 had Adam and Eve cut the head off that snake and never ever left that garden. The first thing that God ever said to them was Genesis 1 28. And it says out of the Amplified, and God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it using all its vast resources in the service of God and man, And have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living creature that moves upon the earth. God's first move towards man was when it says that he blessed them. It means that God, the creator of heaven and earth, got down on one knee and took his creation by the hand and spoke blessing over them. Imagine, that's the first thing that Adam and Eve ever heard can I give you parents you want a little hint to raise godly children the first thing you do every morning when you see that child the first words out of your mouth should be a blessing over them doesn't matter what they did doesn't matter what they spilt doesn't matter what they did the night before the first words that every child needs to hear every morning first thing it needs to be a blessing even if you have to make it up it's okay God will fill in the gaps, but find something to speak blessing over that child with every day. That's the first thing that God did demand. But then he said these words, be fruitful. That's the first thing that God commanded man to be, was to be fruitful. And I don't see anywhere in the Bible where it ever said, stop being fruitful. If you'll notice, the great mission was because we got out of the garden and God was trying to get us back in. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature and he who believes and is baptized shall be saved. But in the Old Testament, God God set the whole thing up as if we were never leaving, knowing full well that we were. Did you ever think about that? God set up Genesis, he set up the garden as if we were never going to leave. That was his original intent for each and every one of us. Adam and Eve, be fruitful. You multiply. You be a steward over this entire area that I'm giving you. There is more than enough. There's abundance. There's health. There's healing. There's prosperity. There's everything and anything you are ever going to need in this garden. Be fruitful and multiply. But we all know what happened. They were kicked out of the garden. Garden of Eden went away. And now we're back with Jesus trying to get us back into that very same garden through life through Jesus Christ. But my question to you today is, is did he ever command us to stop being fruitful? No. How do I know that I'm saved? How do I know that I know that I know? Is it simply coming down front and reciting an oath with someone Dear Jesus, come into my heart, be my Lord, and be my Savior. I receive you as my Savior in Jesus' name. Am I saved? You don't want to answer, do you? You're like, yes, no, maybe. That is the pathway to salvation, amen? That's the beginning of salvation, but it's not the end. Amen? If I got born again, there should be corresponding actions to the change that took place in my life. To say that I was a born again believer, but I've never produced any spiritual fruit, I would have to start wondering, what kind of fruit am I producing? Because it's not the fruit's fault, it's the tree's fault. Let's, let's do an object lesson real quick. Are you ready, guys? This is gonna be hard. So take a deep breath. What kind of of tree is that? How do you know it's an apple tree? Because it's got apples on it. It's going to get harder. Are you ready? All right, next one. What kind of tree is that? That's a pear tree. Does anybody like pears? I'm not a pear person. That's a pear tree, right? How do we know it's a pear tree? Because it's producing pears. All right, next one. What kind of tree is that? That's an orange tree, amen? We know that's an orange tree because it's producing oranges. All right, the next one. What kind of tree is that? That's a Pastor Jack tree, amen? How do we know it's a Pastor Jack tree? Because Pastor Jack's coming out of it. What's the next one? What kind of tree is that? Exactly. Each one of us is a tree, and the only way that we are known is by the fruit that we produce. I can tell you I'm an apple tree all day long. I can dress like an apple tree, I can get a t-shirt like an apple tree, I can say, uh, what would an apple tree do, bracelet, I can, I can drive an apple tree car, I can drink apple juice, I can listen to Johnny Appleseed, amen, you can be the apple of my eye. I can get to the core of the whole issue. But if i've never produced one apple what am i i'm a liar if i'm saying i'm one thing but i'm not producing any fruit to correspond to what i believe then i think we have to ask ourselves what am i producing amen as a believer now i've had small wars fought over this as a believer am i commanded to produce fruit Absolutely. Amen. Don't ever let someone rob you of the honor, the discipline, and the great joy of developing fruit as a believer. That's the fun part. And guess who the fruit is for? Tug the person next to you. The fruit's not for you. It's for them. I'm not developing love for me. I'm developing love for you. I'm not developing joy for me. I'm developing joy for you. I'm not developing self control for me. Does the world need self control? The world needs self control, but I'm not developing it for me. I'm developing it for you. We have to. They are not going to know us except by our fruit. It is so easy when someone goes to be with Jesus. To go to their funeral, to speak at it, because you know what you're talking about? Look at the harvest. Look at all the fruit. See, I look around this room right now and it's just full of fruit. There is so much fruit in this room. Amen? This is probably the wrong service, wrong sermon for this room because there's so much fruit in this room. But we are to be producing fruit our entire Christian lives. Amen? As a believer, I am to bear fruit, I am to flourish, I am to increase, and I am to grow. When we just did our gifts and our tithes and our offerings, amen, Mike and Chesley did an excellent job in receiving that today. But one of the things about prosperity that I think people get mixed up with is when we start talking about a prosperity gospel, it's like a get-rich-quick thing. It's like, I'm going to win the lottery, amen? It's like, I'm going to, all of a sudden, someone's going to give me this big lump sum of money. All of a sudden, I'm going to find a bag buried and it's going to have a a billion dollars in it. And that's how God's going to prosper me. And that's not how it works. Biblical prosperity is summarized in one word, increase. Increase. We as a believer, as a tithing believer, you should be increasing every year. And it should be measurable. And if you are not increasing every year, then I would have to ask, why not? You're not going to get these big lump sums, we're not going to win the lottery, we're not going to have all these, you know, you're not going to go on a game show, amen, you're not going to win The Voice. Maybe Chesley, I don't know, but you're, you see what I'm saying? But being in the kingdom of God and being fruitful is all about increase, amen? And increase is measured, are are you better off than you were this time last year? All of us should say yes. Every one of us, are you better off than you were five years ago? Hallelujah. Guess what? That's prosperity that is the epitome of what biblical prosperity is it's increasing and I'm doing and that's how God does it God doesn't give us a whole bunch because then we don't know what to do with it that's why the lottery is so dangerous when you give somebody that's undisciplined unlimited amounts of money it can kill them why would God do that to his children he's looking for a group of people that he can trust He's looking for a group of people that have integrity and character and honor. And oh, by the way, those are all fruits. Those are the fruits that we have to develop in order to hold on to the things that God gives us. Because if I haven't developed any self-control, if you give me a bunch of money, I could kill you and me. Come on. I saw an article this morning, and I don't know why, but, and it cost two men their lives, but. For whatever reason, they tried to jump a drawbridge drawbridge in Louisiana last night. There was just a little bit left over, and one of them thought they had a great idea. Yeah, let's try and jump it. Cost them both their lives. Guess what? The one man's lack of self-control cost both men their lives. You see how important self-control is? Developing self-control on a small scale can protect you on a large scale when you're much older. Teaching our children the word no is probably the greatest thing that we can ever teach them. We've got to learn to teach our children no. Amen? They've got to learn that there are boundaries. Fruit is nothing more than an outward evidence of an inward change. Amen? Uh, Barbara Arbo shared this years ago, but it always stuck with me. When a tree produces fruit, what's happened is, is that tree gets so full of sap, it gets so full of sap that it has nowhere else to go, so it's forced out of the tree in the form of fruit. That's how you and I are. Whatever we are the fullest of right now, that's the fruit that we are producing. Well, I don't like that fruit then you have to do something about what's going in. Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows what? The issues of life. What you watch, what you hear, and what you say is defining who you are. Whatever you are feeding on in media, whatever you're listening to in music and in talk and in opinion, whatever you are saying, those are the things that are defining your life. Those are, that is who you are. You might think you're one thing because you go to church, but if you're acting contrary and you're living more out of the world, that's the fruit that you're producing. I was thinking about this the other day. You know, the apostle Paul, what an amazing man, amen? Amazing man. If Paul, if anybody in the Bible had the right to have an opinion, it was Paul, wasn't he? I mean, Paul, born on the eighth day, a Pharisee of the Pharisees. I mean, I went to the Harvard and the Yale. I was the man. I knew it all, said it all, did it all. Been around the world, could talk to you about the Torah, the law. I had it all. But yet he makes this statement. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And this life that I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me. And gave himself for me. Paul laid down all of his opinions. Your opinions are the fruit that you're producing. And a lot of times, our opinions are not biblical. We have been raised a certain way. My father said it was that way. My mother said it was that way. Therefore, it has to be that way. And here's the worst one. I had a friend that had an experience. Now, all of a sudden, we start taking our experiences and placing them above the Word of God. Amen? It is okay to have an opinion, but we have to make sure that it's his opinion. I don't have an opinion. I mean, I can give you an opinion about the Astros, Amen? We can get subjective like that. But when it comes to big key issues, whose opinion are we to have? You have to have God's opinion. I found 100% of the time that when I agree with what God says, good things happen to me. And I have found 100% of the time that when I don't agree with what God says, bad things happen to me all the time. God knows more. Say this, God is smarter than me. Amen. Amen. A lot of times we have our own opinions about things. Guess what? None of us know everything. None of us, none of us, even all the things going on in our nation, none of us know 100%. I used to have a pet peeve when pastors and ministers would get up and say, the whole body of Christ has this problem. You don't know the whole body of Christ? You don't know what's going on five minutes from here. You have no idea what's going on in the Philippines or in China. Amen? We want to increase our opinion, so we try and cover everybody under one umbrella, and it's just not right. Amen? I have his opinion. Remember, your opinions are a fruit that you are producing. Psalms chapter 1, verse 3. I have not even looked at my notes yet. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season. Now, what kind of fruit are we to be producing as a Christian? The fruit that we are to be producing is the fruit that comes from the seed of the Word. Amen? When we spend time in the Word of God, when we go into the Word on purpose, when we go into the Word as if God is speaking to me personally, amen? I'm not just reading through a couple of chapters, which is good. I want you to read through a couple of chapters, but I have to look at the Bible as if God himself has come down and sat at my table and is speaking to me out of that scripture. When I look at it that way, you're going to get this wonderful thing called revelation because it's not the amount of word that you know that's going to benefit you. It's the word that you have revelation of that's going to produce the fruit that you need. Amen. Amen. Right now in Houston, Texas, there are 10,000 churches and they are all reading the Word of God. They're all reading the Bible out loud. But it's not profiting everyone, is it? It's only the ones that mix their faith with it, that receive the Word, that act on the Word. That's what makes our church different. We don't just read the Word, we act on the Word. It's acting on the word that's going to bring revelation. It's acting on the word that's going to heal your marriage. It's acting on the word that's going to prosper you. It's acting on the word that's going to heal you. It's acting on your word that's going to give you that promotion that you're looking for. Just reading it won't do it. Remember, the second place that Satan took Jesus when he tempted him was to church. He took him to church. He didn't take him to a strip club. He took him to church. The devil's not afraid of church. The devil's afraid of the word. Amen. Amen. And when you find a Bible group of believers that are acting on the word, that are speaking the word, that are walking in love, he can't get in there. But what he wants to do is he wants to know that your opinion matters. What you think about something is the most important thing, and it's not. It's what he says is that matters. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Fruit is a result from spending time in the Word of God. The fruit that you're producing right now is the product of what you've been filled with the most. Amen? But pastor, I don't know if I am producing any fruit. Somebody say that. I'm so glad you said that. How many of you have ever gardened before? Amen? Are you good gardeners? Amen. You can produce something. Amen. I'm not a gardener, okay? I'm a a shopper. You know, I get my green beans in a bag. Okay, there you go. But I, I have noticed this, that you will never produce a fruit unless you put down a root. We have to put roots down. We have to stay someplace Long enough. We have to get down to the water supply. We have to be watered. We have to be, shall I say, fertilized in order for us to produce the fruit that we need. And folks, it doesn't, it takes longer than one day. It's a, sometimes it's a lifetime of putting my roots. A lot of times people come, they come to church and they're ready to start producing fruit, but they don't stay long enough to put down any roots to get down into that water it takes time amen and a lot of times when you grow something it's months before you see anything happening but that doesn't mean that there's not something happening underneath the ground amen don't let someone drive you out of your prosperous place don't let offense move you out of the place where you're supposed to put down roots Amen? Don't let that enemy get between you and tell you, well, if you just go someplace else, you'd grow. If I just went somewhere else, there would be my husband or wife's there. Amen? If I could just get somewhere else, I'll just go to a bigger church, to a bigger singles group, and there, there she'll be. There he'll be. Yeah, that's right. They'll be right there. But it's not the one you're supposed to have. Say this, God is smarter than me. I've always wondered, you know, whenever a worldly person, you know, they want to question God, they always talk about the man on the little island that no one's ever gotten to before. Well, what about them? What about those people out on that island that's never heard the gospel before? What happens to them if they die? If God is smart enough to put the island there, and he's smart enough to put the people there, then he's smart enough to come up with a way to get to him. Wouldn't you agree? Say God God is smarter smarter than me. me. I'm going to make a t-shirt out of that. (laughs) I would wear it too. So, do I as a believer have to produce fruit? Yes, absolutely I have to produce fruit. John chapter 15, verse 1. I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may produce more fruit. So, 101, if you are not producing fruit, you're cut off. If you are producing fruit, you're going to be pruned. What's the reason for being pruned? So that you can produce more fruit. A lot of times people look at pruning as a correction, but it's not a correction, it's a discipline. It is for the health of that plant. Amen, it's for the health of that tree. It's for the health of the whole forest. Because what happens is, as you produce a fruit, then all of a sudden it gets cut off. And the next thing you know, now it grows back a little bit stronger and a little bit thicker. Now it can hold a little bit more fruit and that process continues our entire Christian life but what happens sometimes is that when we do get pruned or cut off we just think the love's left the church God doesn't love me anymore I can't hear his voice no one loves me but in reality what God is saying is is I'm trying to prune you right now in the middle of this garden and if you'll just sit still And keep coming and put down some deep roots and receive what I have. See, see, we as a believer, we get a water supply from a source the world doesn't know. We are down, we're we're getting water. That's how we flourish in a time of famine. We get greener, the worse it gets. Why is that? Because I've tapped down to a water supply and a water source that the world can't see and the world can't understand. I am tapped into the Word of God. It's a well to my soul. And when everything around me falls apart, when everything around me is dying, when everything around me is contrary, all of a sudden I'm getting stronger. I'm flourishing in the midst of trial and tribulation, amen? And I'm producing fruit, amen? I am producing fruit. John fifteen eight. When you, this is Jesus speaking, when you bear, produce much fruit, my Father is honored and glorified, and you show and prove yourselves to be true followers of mine. When you bear, say when. It's not if you bear fruit, right? What's it say? When. It is expected for us as believers to produce much fruit. Fruit. John fifteen sixteen, You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and I have appointed you. I have planted you that you might go and bear fruit and keep on bearing fruit and that your fruit may be lasting, that it may remain, that it may abide so that whatever you ask the father in my name as presenting all that I am, he may give to you. Your prayers being answered is in direct proportion to us being planted where He wants us, not where we want to be. We want to plant ourselves where it's the most comfortable. We want to plant ourselves where it's the most convenient. We want to plant ourselves where there's the least amount of responsibility put on me. I want to be planted somewhere where it's easy. But your prayers don't get answered in the place where it's easy. They get answered in the place where you're supposed to be planted. That's why it's so important to find the church that you're supposed to be a part of. If it's not West Houston Christian Center, we release you. You need to find the soil that's going to produce the fruit that you have. Amen? There is a specific soil for specific people to produce fruit. And if it's not here, God bless you. We want you to find. I'd be more happy if you got up and left and said, Pastor, help me find where I'm supposed to be than for you to stay for six years and be miserable. You need to find out where. But when I say that, you're not looking for easy. The thing about our church is, is that you can't hide here. I see everybody in here right now. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. Every eye just shot up just like that. No, pastor, I'm good. I had contact. I'm I'm good, I'm good. You can't hide here. This is a working ranch. Amen. This is a place for fruit to be developed. When you went to healing class this morning, you got up early, you came in at nine, there was fruit produced in the healing class this morning. In the nursery, in the super kids, right now there is fruit being produced in all of these areas. When you usher, when you greet, when you do all these different things, when you serve in the sound booth, whatever you are, whatever you serve, you are producing fruit fruit. Amen? It's up to you. Time does not produce fruit. Everybody thinks this is about time. The longer I'm there, the more fruit I'm going to produce, and that's not true at all. If if that tree is sick, all time's going to do is make it worse. Time is a part of the process, but it's not the process. It's what's going on on the inside Amen? Are you getting enough water? Are you being nourished? All those types of things. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end with this. And I got this this morning. But there are what are called fruits of righteousness. Amen? Fruits of righteousness. Philippians chapter 1, verses 11 says, May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation. We could just stop right there. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation. And this is what the Amplified says. The righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. When you and I got born again, God gave us this thing called righteousness. He gave us right standing with him. Your righteousness is the ground from which all your spiritual fruit will be developed from. It all comes from righteousness. You're not going to know love until you know righteousness. You have to know. That's how you know that God loves you because He is restored right standing with you. There's nothing in between, it's just you and Him. Amen? So when we get saved, there should have been a change. How many of you just knew when you got born again that there'd been a change? For me, it was radical. I mean, it was like I was in the dark one day and in the light the next. I went from a taker to a giver in like a a heartbeat. That's how I knew that I knew that I knew that I was saved because I started producing fruits of righteousness. It's not me producing fruit to prove that I'm righteous, but it's me because I am righteous now producing fruit. Does that make sense? I don't go around and try and produce my own fruit to show you I'm righteous. No, it's because I am righteous that I'm now producing the spiritual fruit, amen? It's Him doing it through me. It's Him doing it in me, amen? It's the effect, it shows you. That's how you know that we're saved. How are they gonna know that we're saved? How do they know that we're saved? When you leave this building today, when you go back into the world, how are they gonna know that you're saved? T-shirt? The way you drive? No. They need to see it in your eyes. They need to experience Jesus face-to-face whenever they come into contact with you. They need to look at you and say, there is something different about you. And not the bad different, the good different. They need to know that they know. When they hear you speak, they should be just like the Pharisees when they said, they could tell that they'd been with Jesus. They should tell each and every day that we'd been with Jesus. When you come out of your prayer closet in the morning, they should know that they know, they know that you have spent time with Jesus. Can you give me two more verses? 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I didn't write the exact verse down. It says, Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seeds you've sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Therefore, your giving is in direct proportion to your fruits of righteousness. I don't give in order to be righteous. It's because he has made me righteous that I want to give. That's what happened to me. I got changed from a taker to a giver. And that's exactly how. All of a sudden, when I got saved and I got that righteousness, that fruit of giving began to grow in me. That's how I knew that I knew that I knew that I was saved. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for this present, but painful nevertheless. Afterwards, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Listen to me. Fruit is not produced by accident. Every spiritual fruit has to be produced on purpose. And it has to be produced around other people. You cannot develop love in a cave all by yourself. As much as we like to sometimes, I cannot produce joy all by myself. I have to develop it in the garden with everybody else. You ever notice that there wasn't one garden for the oranges and one garden for the bananas and one garden for the apples? Do you notice it was all coming out of the same ground? That's the body of Christ. That's us. We don't get to go over here and just go develop my fruit. This is my super secret watermelon fruit, and no one else is going to have it. I like my watermelon, and you can't have it. No, no, no. The watermelon's right next to the orange, which is right next to the pear. This is why church is so important, ladies and gentlemen. Amen? That's why it's vital that you're here. That's why it's vital that you're involved. That's why it's vital that you're giving of your time, your talent your treasury because this is the plate. I need some watermelon and you have it. You need some orange and I have it. We need each other to partake of each other's fruit. Amen? Amen. Let's stand to our feet. I know everybody's going to want to go get a smoothie right now or something, right? You're like, man, a papaya sounds amazing right now. Look at your neighbor. Say, what kind of fruit are you? Look at your other neighbor and say, tell them what kind, now tell them what kind of fruit you are. I'm a juicy fruit. Amen? Amen. grab hands with the person next to you. Hallelujah. Grab hands with the person next to you. I've never gotten a fruit basket that was just filled with one fruit. It's always filled with different types. I mean, it takes all kinds of fruit, folks. Amen. That's what the body's filled of. This is a fruit basket. It really is. I mean, I, there's just, you have no idea. If you could see what I see right now, there is so much fruit in this room right now. Amen? There's so much fruit in this room. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for today. We thank you for the Word of God. Father, just pray for that person on your left and on your right. You have no idea what they're going through right now. You have no idea where they've come from. You have no idea where they're going. But, Father, I just speak life right now. I speak life over them. Father, I plead the blood of Jesus over each person in the sound of my voice. And, Father, I speak life I speak health. Lord, I just pray over marriages right now. Satan, I bind you. I take authority over this attack against relationships and against marriages. I take authority over a spirit of offense in the name of Jesus, that you will not stay here in the name of Jesus. Father, I take authority over a lying demon that try and tell someone that they're less than who they think that they are. We take authority over that spirit of rejection as my mom did. We take authority over that in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that we are all accepted in the beloved. Say it one more time. Jesus is smarter than me. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you Tuesday night.